Welcome to the Christ Connection Podcast. We are here to help and encourage you to enjoy your adventure with Jesus. I'm your host, Kevin Senapati-Ratna. Let the journey begin. Hello and welcome to episode number 98 of the Christ Connection Podcast. My name is Kevin Senapadiran and I'm glad you could join us today. 98 episodes. So if you're keeping score, that is the same number of episodes as was Gilligan's Island, a three-hour tour. This is not uh, <laughs> the A-Team and Hannah Montana. Yes, uh, what are we going to do with that? Uh, nothing, but it's uh, <laughs> a little random fact for you. Uh, today is an Aaron Run episode. We have uh, Bishop Walter Harvey with us, and even though it's an Aaron Run, we got some good stuff here packed in for you, so uh, stay tuned with us. Uh, if you are new to this ministry and to the podcast, uh, don't forget to subscribe, rate, review, view all that stuff so that we can spread the word as God is using us around the world to make a difference in helping people to grow in their relationship with Jesus, which is what it's all about. We want to know him and help people to grow in that relationship that uh, he would have with us. Uh, If you also are new, why don't you head over to our website? It's ChristConnection.cc, and you can put your name and email address, and I'll send you a short video series on how to have an enjoyable prayer life. Uh, We want you to grow in your relationship relationship with Jesus, and a prayer life is a great way to start. Again, that's ChristConnection.cc, and there's all sorts of other resources there while you're there. Uh, But let's get to this. This is a good episode, so without further ado, my conversation with Walter Harvey. My guest today is Bishop Walter Harvey. For many years, he was pastor of Parklawn Assembly in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. He continues to serve in an advisory role at Parklawn while also serving as CEO of Prison Economic Development Corporation and and board president for the National Black Fellowship of the Assemblies of God. He speaks across the country and internationally using his humorous, practical, and powerful style to deliver messages of hope and transformation for individuals and communities. Bishop Harvey, welcome to the show. Thank you, Kevin. It's great to be with you. Uh, we have uh, crossed paths uh, multiple times over the years now. Uh, you're actually at my home church not too long ago, and you know, so we got to see each other there, and so it's good to be able to sit down and have this conversation. Yes, yeah, I yeah. love uh, Pastor Nate and uh, Emmanuel Church. Uh, you're an advisory elder there, too. That's part of, I suppose, I could have added that to your bio. <laughs> <laughs> it's long but, enough. Uh, Now, we call these errand run episodes, which meaning the show is about the length of time of people run an errand. So I always like to start with an errand question. Mm -hmm. If you're out on an errand, and is there anything uh, that you like to get to treat yourself? Uh, If you go to the grocery or the convenience stores, did you have a treat for yourself? I do. I especially love the uh, stores that have a Starbucks inside of them. Uh, and it's not the coffee that I run an errand for, but it's the lemon loaf cake. Really? A of, yeah, it's a lemon loaf with uh, like a white frosting on top of it. Man, that, that cake will have you speaking in tongues. <laughs> it, is, it is heavenly. Lemon? I'll have to try that sometime. I never... 
I yeah, I probably shouldn't say this since you mentioned Pastor Nate, since he's a Starbucks bot guy, but I, I don't go very Starbucks very often. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Now, when you were spe- speaking of that, when you were speaking at our home, my home church, uh, you uh, mentioned that you don't cook for health reasons, uh, everyone else's health. <laughs> I, I was t- I was taking notes when you were preaching. Uh, but <laughs> do you, do you have a favorite meal that comes to mind? Uh, maybe from what you when you grew up uh, uh, that it always takes you back. <laughs> yeah, there's one dish that I do cook. Ooh, okay. Um, it's not my favorite meal, though, but whenever uh, we do a family breakfast, I make the scrambled eggs. Uh, and I have a special recipe. I add cheese and I add some seasoning to them and, um, you know, a little bit of cream milk. Nice. And they, they come out perfectly. They're, they're, <laughs> they're usually requested. That's the only thing they'll ask me to cook. <laughs> uh, but my All wife right. is a great cook, though. It, well, it, it helps that one of you can keep you alive. <laughs> I, I am not the cook of the family either. I sometimes, uh, but I, I, I do scrambled eggs and, but not nothing like that sounds fancy. That's <laughs> yeah. She's a great cook. Otherwise I'd be living off of lemon loaf cake. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of it. All right. Now, when I was, I was looking at your website and uh, one of your life verses, you say is second Kings 13, 21. I'll just read it. Once when some Israelites were burying a man, they spied a band of these raiders. So they hastily threw the corpse into the tomb uh, of Elisha and fled. But as soon as the body touched Elisha's bones, the dead man revived and jumped to his feet. Now, first of all, that's, a, that's an interesting life verse, but uh, yeah. uh, you, say, you say it is your goal to live full and die empty. Can, can you explain a little bit more what you mean by that? Yeah. Uh, you know, life is so short. Um, you know, James tells us it's just a vapor. And there are so many people that they die before they really get to live. Um, Mark Twain, I think, is famous for the quote that the two most important days of your life are the day that you were born and the day you discover why you were born. And so for me, I just I just try to live life on purpose. Um, I, I understand what my signature gifts are and uh, my, my purpose in the body of Christ and my sense of timing on the earth. And I want to live full. I want to live with full activation of of those gifts in operation, um, pouring into the relationships that I have influence with, and of course, having others pour into me. Um, And so that when my life does come to an end, that uh, there won't be any regrets. There won't be any gifts unused, any books unwritten. Uh, any recipes uncooked? Uh, it'll only be scrambled eigg, though. I think I fulfill I fulfill that gift. Uh, and I think the scripture to me that you just read, uh, it's become a life verse for me because when uh, when Elijah, uh, the spiritual father, was prophet, and during his final days, uh, the Lord told him to anoint Elisha as his successor. Uh, and there was a mentor relationship. And when, when that relationship was about to end on the earth, he asked for a double portion of his spirit. Uh, and scripture says, records him doing twice as many miracles. Elisha had a servant named Gehazi. Uh, and the story of Naaman 
tells us how Gehazi kind of short-circuited his anointing and calling by going after the gold and silver and garments of Naaman instead of the glory. And he got leprosy instead. So when Elisha died, I believe that there was still power and anointing on the inside of him that should have been transferred. And so when the dead man was thrown in the cave and touched his bones, there was still power in his bones. Uh, and I, I wanted to live full and I want to die empty. Uh, so is, is part of that then being intentional about the transfer uh, of what's inside of you? Is that part of that yes, thinking then? Yes, it is. It, it's both intentional and it's invitational. Uh, it's intentional in um, you know, living on purpose and um, initiating a relationship and just really living a lifestyle um, of, of being a disciple who is a discipling others, who are discipling others. Uh, and then the invitational part of it is that you just invite the same people to do life with you, uh, to go play golf with you, to uh, to do an air and run to Starbucks and eat lemon loaf, or, <laughs> you know, to, to, Hey, I'm going to be cutting my grass today. Would you like to just kind of hang out with me and, uh, you know, help rake while I cut or whatever. And, and it's just doing life together. Fun stuff. Of course. You're going to make us all want lemon loaf by the end of this. Aren't you? <laughs> you're, you're being intentional on this strategy here. No, <laughs> I, I can't wait. I think I'll have a slice myself today. Uh, so I, I like that it's uh, you're I mean you're talking about uh, it's somewhat in, intentional is the you know, kind of on the agenda but invitational is just letting things happen around you in some way I mean you're inviting people in but there's there's kind of a uh, when you're doing the law and it's whatever comes up is that what you're saying yes it is it uh the the transfer of whatever's on the inside of us, it happens both by intention and invitation. If, if, if you know, it, it's doing the natural things of life that the supernatural spills out as well. Uh, and I think Jesus was a perfect example of that by intention. You know, he called 12 men to be with him, but then by invitation, he took Peter, James, and John to the mountain. Um, and so, you know, we get both uh, the glory uh, and, and we get the glory in both ways. Shifting gears a little bit, you're the uh, president of the National Black Fellowship of the Assemblies of God. So someone who's not familiar with what that, what is that group? Yeah, so the uh, National Black Fellowship is one of the 23 ethnic fellowships that uh, are included in the Assemblies of God, which is a large Pentecostal denomination in America with over 3 million attenders and over 13,000 churches. Uh, of that larger body, there are district offices, but then there are also ethnic fellowships. The National Black Fellowship is one of those. It's been around for 40 years, and it exists to, uh, to be a movement of hope, to see uh, faith communities and gospel saturation among people of color, African-Americans, multi-ethnic people, uh, and to see those people thrive, hear a presentation of the gospel of Christ, and then thrive and flourish in their lives, and see churches planted and uh, disciples made as a result of it. Hey, and uh, along that line, you, when you uh, heard you speak, you said uh, 
our goal is not diversity, but, uh, but discipleship. Uh, yes. Can, can, can you un- unpack that for us a little bit, what that means? Yeah. Well, one of, one of my life messages has really been around uh, racial reconciliation. Uh, racial reconciliation is a term that many of us are familiar with, whether we are in the kingdom of God or just corporate world, marketplace. Uh, and it's something that's desirable. It's diversity. It's, it's having inclusivity uh, at the table, opening up the doors of the workplace or of the church for people who don't look like us, who, don't, who are not part of the majority generally, uh, black and brown people coming in. Uh, and so from a church perspective, the diversity might look like hiring a person of color uh, to be your worship leader or another person on your staff um, and inviting people in the congregation to, hey, you're welcome here. And that looks good, it feels good, it's, it's pretty, uh, it's desirable, but it's focused on the inside. Uh, and we feel like we're reconciled because we're diverse. And certainly, biblically, we have a ministry of reconciliation according to 2 Corinthians 5. Uh, but reconciliation has to go beyond the inside and has to go to the outside. What I mean by that, it has to go out into society. And it's in society that we see systems and structures that have been created that, um, that uh, more negatively impact people of color and people who live on the margins of life. And that's where we have to have a commitment of discipleship. And discipleship is how we live. It's, it's following the pattern of Jesus. And it's, uh, you know, he, the scripture tells us he came to destroy the works of the devil. And he called 12 men to do the same with him. So we're called to be disciples of racial justice, uh, not just reconciliation. And so diversity deals with the inside. Ra- racial justice and di- discipleship deals with how we, once we leave the worship service and we've sung a few songs in Spanish and in English, and we've tasted the variety of ethnic food, that's good on the inside. Now, when those same people go on the outside, how are they treated? What systems and structures do, uh, impact them negatively and as believers, we should be committed to, uh, to dismantling those and creating a just society for the Lord's glory and for the good of all people. Now, I realize this next question is a big one, and I think probably for Aaron Run, might probably can't unpack it completely. But if, if someone was looking for kind of that first step in that process, uh, is there something you'd recommend either they, uh, like a resource they engage or a, uh, you know, teaching or a thought process or some action, any, any kind of starting point for people? Yeah, I'll try to unpack it in three easy steps. B, C, and do. Uh, as a believer, we're called to be um, like Jesus. We're called to abide in him. And, you know, our, our relationship with God begins with being. It begins by grace. It's nothing that we have to do. Gal- uh, Galatians tells us it's by grace we're saved. And so everybody who accepts Christ is our brother and sister, regardless of their age, their ethnicity, their skin color, their gender, uh, culture, and so forth. So we have to be believers, first of all. Uh, And so our loyalty, our allegiance, first of all, should be to grace. That's being. Secondly is seeing. Um, And seeing has to do with uh, our eyes. And the scriptures, Mark chapter 8, a blind man is touched by Jesus and he needs multiple touches before he can see clearly. 
uh, racial residue and the fact that we live in a racialized society has impacted all of us. Um, and so we need to see it. We need to see how it, how it impacts me, how it causes prejudice or discriminatory behavior or even upholding racial practices within me. And I need multiple touches of God's grace to do that. That's seeing. Um, and that happens by reading, uh, exposing myself to a minority culture, submitting myself to those who are not like me, because that helps to break any sense of superiority off of me. Uh, and, 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 you know, just not being exhausted by the conversation or the journey because it, it's, an, it's new territory. Uh, seeing is second, and then thirdly is doing. Often, many times, people want to start with the doing. What do I need to do? How do we fix it? Well, if you start with doing without being and seeing, you'll often do more harm. Uh, and so the doing, of course, is then start with where you are, uh, use what you have, and do what you can. Uh, and every one of us can do something. That's where the discipleship component comes in. Um, once we once we leave the church or we leave the job, we have to have that same sense of commitment to uh, to tearing down structures and systems that uh, negatively impact people of color. That that was good. That was nice. You, that you did that well. <laughs> you must have thought of this before. Uh, and, and, Going back to the National Black Fellowship, for uh, what what is kind of your dream uh, for that that group, and where where are you what are you hoping that God uh, will do? Yeah, this is the fortieth year for the National Black Fellowship, uh, and forty is a very significant number in Scripture. You know, I love I love numerology, and the children of Israel were in the wilderness for forty years, and God said, "Enough, it's time to go in a different direction." Deuteronomy two and three, and we chose that theme last year. Enough. Uh, for the NBF, because we re really felt that we were in an Esther 414, such a time as this moment. And there was a mandate upon us to um, to be a catalyst for the kingdom, uh, not only in terms of racial justice that I just spoke about, uh, but also in terms of um, kingdom and kingdom impact and community transformation. So our big dream uh, is really to see a gospel saturation and a faith community uh, in every urban pain point. And um, to see believers who are coming outside of the walls of the church and who are doing life with the people who live in those places. Um, and by doing life with them and making disciples, we'll see churches and faith communities emerge. Uh, and oftentimes that becomes the scorecard, you know, are we planting churches and so forth. Um, and I, I think that's, uh, that's a minimal victory. I think greater victory is, are we doing life with people and are we engaging them to a place where they want to know the Christ we know and are we discipling them so they can make other disciples? So our big dream is really to be, for the National Black Fellowship, to be a disciple-making movement uh, that becomes a catalyst uh, for the church uh, and churches in these urban pain points uh, to dream dreams and new, of new possibilities and then take action to transform their communities. And we come alongside of them and bring suburban and urban uh, partners of faith uh, to bear and uh, together um, see transformation in people's lives and in those places. The two things in scripture that Jesus wept over were people and places. 
and uh, wept at the tomb of Lazarus over a person and wept over the city of Jerusalem. And uh, we just believe that those are the, should be our priorities. And that's why we feel privileged to, uh, to lead this catalytic movement of hope in America's inner cities. That's wonderful. Uh, and you, you kind of kind of answered my question uh, with that, but uh, on, on these Aaron Run episodes, I normally like to, uh, as we start, start heading towards the end, I like to pray for our guests. Uh, anything else you'd like to add to that, that I, I can pray for you as? Yes, I, I would add. And uh, with the issue of, uh, of racial reconciliation, uh, I believe that is, um, that, that's before us like never before. When, when George Floyd was, was killed uh, in you know, 2020, um, we were in the midst globally of a pandemic and everybody saw it. It's not the first time that it happened, but uh, our lives were at such a place of barrenness and sensitivity and stillness that our souls were rattled uh, with an awakening and an awareness. I, I pray that that would continue uh, that be an area of prayer that uh, that we as a nation and, and as a world and as individuals would continually live with that same sense of sensitivity and awareness that we felt uh, immediately after. And the people wanted to know what to do. Uh, but then, of course, we have to be, we have to see, and then we can do. Um, and so the National Black Fellowship is, is championing a, uh, a video series a five-part video series that uh, is called Removing Racial Residue that would help individuals and pastors and churches and Christian organizations and even corporate organizations just unpack uh, the, the racial lenses that we all see life through. And it's through those lenses that we speak, that we think, and that we act. Uh, and so we have to clean the lens and the, the curriculum is designed to help to do that along with a, um, a coach, a trained coach who will walk with um, the organizations and churches to do that. So th that's really a, um, the privileged mantle that we have right now to be a catalyst. And we certainly could, uh, could use as much prayer and resources to make that happen. Well, we'll, we'll pray for that in just a second. And then uh, my final question, if you have any final ask for the audience, Lord, we, we thank you for uh, Bishop Harvey and uh, his compassion and his love for you and his vision and his understanding. I pray an anointing on him today uh, as uh, we as an audience would pray and lift him up today. I pray that you, you would fill him and you would uh, take him to a new place with Lord, uh, fill him so that he has to pour some more out. Uh, yes, uh, and as he said, he wants to live full and uh, die empty. So Lord, I pray you'd fill yes. him again today. Uh, so he has to empty himself out again. Uh, we pray for these movements that he's, uh, he's talked about, the uh, removing racial registers residue video series and uh, they're working in urban pain points. I pray that you would uh, give wisdom and insight and then uh, Holy Spirit power to uh, to break down strongholds that uh, can have tied and destroyed so many on yes. all sides of this. Uh, you, you, Lord, I pray for breakthrough, oh God, uh, as only, Lord, people and places you wept over, may we weep over as well. May we have your heart uh, for the things that really matter. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
Hi, Joy. Uh, we can uh, learn about you at WalterHarveyMinistries.com and the uh, National Black Fellowship AG is nbfag.org. So you, you go on and check the show notes. I'll put all those in there. Uh, but yeah. uh, uh, any any final ask of the audience before we? Uh, you know, you uh, you mentioned uh, my website and the National Black Fellowship websites, and that would be my ask: is that uh, as people are drawn to uh, this movement of hope uh, that they'd reach out to us and uh, and just walk with us. Oh, wonderful. Well, thanks for taking the time today. Thank you, Kevin. Well, there you have it. I hope you enjoyed that conversation. And before you head off for your lemon loaf from Starbucks, uh, a few quick things. First of all, if you're looking for the show notes, you can find them at ChristConnection.cc and click on podcast. Again, that's ChristConnection.cc and click on podcast. Uh, While you're there, again, put in your name and email address and we'll send you a short video series on how to have an enjoyable prayer life. We'll also send you a weekly email with what's going on with the ministry and the latest podcast episode. Another way to make sure you get the podcast episode is to subscribe uh you just click on that and however you do that on your podcast player and you get that for free right into your inbox so i uh, would love to have you as part of the christ connection family we're grateful for you uh, until next time i want to thank you for listening